Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Handlers, and you're listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness. And today is no exception. We actually will be talking about some things that may affect you tremendously. My guest is Ilan Stefani. She's a somatic and sexual mystic, an abundance source of, I'm sorry, an abundant source of inspiration and a powerful and loving question mark for our current cultural paradigms. She's dedicated to the topics of embodiment, trauma, sexuality, mysticism, in order to support individual and collective change. Now that all is a mouthful. Thank you so much for being with <laughs> us today, Elan. It's great. It's great to have you. Oh, thank you for the invitation. Let's be sexy and happy. <laughs> yes, sexy and happy is to me. They go together. If you can, if you're not having one, you're probably not having the other. People tell me that they're happy, and they say they're not having any sex. They never have an orgasm. I think mm. to myself. I was like, okay, sex and happiness. Sex is happiness. I mean, it's Thank designed you. to be that way. And then we end up somewhere else. And I think this is where your show comes in. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. It's, and, uh, you know, I had a woman call me once. I speak about this a lot. I was teaching a course in sex magic here in Phoenix. Um, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. And she called and she said, I want to register for your sex magic class, Laurie. But uh, I don't have to have an orgasm, do I? Mm. And I said, yeah, you do. Like, we actually let our intentions go at the moment of orgasm. And she said, oh, no. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I feel, oh, yeah. But, but at, the, at the other hand, I mean, okay, we will talk about all of that. But I feel so compassionate about this. Okay, do I have to function when it comes to sex? Do I have to have an orgasm? All of these words, they are so loaded with stress. And I think it's healthy to some extent to say I'm here for no more stress because stress made me unhappy in the first place. So yes. how about a sexy relaxation into an open, alive definition of sex? I think this is what I'm passionate about. And yes. I think this is where life becomes organic. I mean, life becomes life magic just because we are we are wired for ongoing eroticism. We are. Well, you know, recently, now that you mentioned that, I'm just because today we are going to talk about collective sexual healing. So this is a woman. The woman I'm mm. I'm talking about is a woman who was traumatized by her by yeah. orgasm or by having to perform or yeah. she didn't want to talk about it. So I don't I can't even tell her story. But um when you speak that way, I, like it's recently come to my attention through my partner that people are addicted to cortisol. Mm -hmm. Like he would have bad dreams right before waking up. And then he would wake up thinking, you know, like with guns, imaginary guns in his hands, killing off 
whatever monsters were coming into his dream. And then in the morning, he would have to get that ramped up again. Like he would go drive somewhere and start yelling at all the traffic and screaming at other drivers, you know, from within the protection of his own car. And then one day he was listening to Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he, and he said, I believe I'm addicted to cortisol. And that's what's going on with me. And I have to break that addiction. So there are plenty of people who are, who don't have pleasure. They have anxiety. The anxiety produces cortisol and that's normal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is then from there, we approach sex as another opportunity for going into effort, trying without full success to release this effort from the system. And I think then after a while, it's like if sex is another burnout show, no more. And that's healthy. But on the other hand, then we tend to withdraw from sex at all. And that's such a drama because sex has so much grace and sex gives birth to all expressions of life. So I think to some extent, it's even absurd to put sex into one definition or just give it one word, because this is the most multidimensional thing, if at all a thing that exists, just because I, we, are, we are just um, like endless variety, endless variety. I, and that's I not only here. I so agree, and I'm so glad you said that. It's profound, actually. Let's backtrack for a minute because you and I, you know, we're experts in this field. Uh, I don't call myself a mystic, though, so I want to talk to you about that. How did you get to be this? Is this what you studied? Is this what you thought you were going to be when you were growing up? I mean, I saw some movies recently, you know, old movies, and I and I said, oh, I was going to be a dancer. <laughs> I never... <laughs> I never pursued that, but that's what I, I was going to, I thought I was going to be a dancer when I was growing up. I didn't think, but I was very precocious. I was very interested in sex, mm. not even yeah. knowing the word, not even knowing the word. I was interested in the fe in every sensation. Mm. And you? So, and uh, no, I didn't study sexual mysticism. <laughs> I would love to study that. Let's study the juicy stuff on earth. No, I mean, to be honest, for most of my life, I believed I would be a good, well-educated girl. And then after a while, uh, it came to my mind, okay, whatever I do, it's like completely refusing to function in the society. Beginning with the first step after my A-levels was working for two years as a sex worker. I mean, just like that. And it was the best two years so far of my life. And it was such a step that made me so free going into sex work. After two years, I stopped and I realized I only said yes to the freedom of working as a sex worker in order to become even more free in I'm free to leave. So that was like freedom after freedom after freedom. And I think in that way, I was like, and then after that, some very, very dark years in my life came and still and being born as a hypersensitive, sensitive girl. And I think on a structural or collective level, being super sensitive to uh, this, the violence when it comes to sexual conditioning, as if mm. I would have 
to learn to orgasm. I mean, I have to learn to orgasm after society somehow making me unlearn how to be in an orgasmic state of being alive. Yes. So that's what's happening, what's happening in the first place. And this deep twist, all of that has put me into, on so many layer, layers also, mainly not about sex, has put me into such a deep self-hatred and also very, very dissociated from my body and my feelings. And after this wake-up call of prostitution, I was so much more aware around life has something to offer, but it will cost me something. So today, when I talk about sex or somatic mysticism, I envy experts who are here because of their talent. I'm definitely not talented. I'm definitely just deeply wounded. And I was too weak for keeping suffering. That's really my qualification. My qualification is being obsessed with ongoing somatic and sexual research out of pure desperation. There is no glamour and sexiness in that. And on the other hand, I am so deeply like, I agree with my words because I have been there. If I talk about hell, I mean it. If I talk about trauma, I mean it. Mm. If I talk about sexual violence, I mean it. And uh, of course, talking again, I mean, you and me, we are incredibly privileged women on so many levels. No doubt about that. And at the same time, I think there is a depth and uh, being serious about what we are on, because it's not only that this is the path of honeymoon, it's really coming from my blood or our depth and our wounding. So what I'm very, very passionate today about to just bring a few things to the table is, and let's narrow that down to sex, no. it comes down to many topics, take pride in your wounds. Take pride in managing to failing in a new way. Hey, you failed again. But in another way in bed than you failed yesterday. Congratulations. You are a true researcher. You are a true sexual explorer. Like all of us say nobody is perfect, but all of us try to keep on being perfect. And I somehow, to put it into hard words, I hate this, to uh, this culture of sexual small talk. I don't want to be consumed in small talk. I want to be challenged. I want to be disappointed. I want to be challenged to take true responsibility for my own sexual happiness instead yes. of going on with the victimhood of, oh, you have to make me an orgasm. Okay, so I'm sexy. And of course, no, no, cellulite in my body, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, <laughs> let's us women. And I think we as women, when it comes to heterosexual sex, at least, I think that's a very, that's a gift that we bring and mm -hmm. we bring that also coming from so many generations of um, of women's movement let's be initiatrixes initiatrices yeah. in in really failing first like disappointing first daring first speaking up first trying something new first being ugly and weird and unsexy first just because then from there from offering our own wound to the together togetherness field of sexual exploration we put so much 
relief and relaxation and de-stress, almost sexual stress detox to the field. And what all of us crave for, no matter which sex we are, is can I exhale the transgenerational stress when it comes to sex? And if we could exhale stress layer after stress layer from our nervous system, and that is why I'm so passionate about somatic trauma research as well, so we would unfold the orgasmic potential of our nervous system naturally. It's, you have said so much, like you didn't say that many sentences, but you said so much, exhaling our collective trauma, mm -hmm. um, being the first to fail, being the first to be, to, to uh, feel uncomfortable, feel weird. I don't, I'm not saying all your words, I'm paraphrasing you, but being able to have that kind of freedom. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't go out of the house without lipstick. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, mm -hmm. you know, and for me, it isn't so much about I guess it is connected to being sexy or what have you, but it's also like I consider every moment an enrollment moment. Maybe I'm going to meet somebody who's going to want to take a class from me or read my book or whatever. So if I'm in the supermarket, I have to look like this. I can't go out looking like I just woke up. You know, luckily I have really good hair now, so I could just go out. But having woken up, I don't have to do anything. But I wouldn't, I just would never I would never, but I, but I, but on the other hand, yes, I would, I would say I've been traumatized. Yes, I would say I can't, you can't touch me now. I can't be touched. I have to put my pieces back together. Yes, I have to, um, this is going to take some time. I mean, I just want to let you know, I just turned 73. And um, I had my first flashback of sexual violation last year. It took 72 years to unravel something that I knew was always in there, but I could never, I had no evidence for it. And then I was so com comfortable. I was so relaxed. I was so in moving towards orgasm from being with my partner and all of a sudden I saw the thing I had always expected was there, but I just never saw it before. I saw the flashback. So I hear you. I hear you in a way that I never, I only imagined <laughs> before, but I, you know, it, I don't know who it was. Everyone who would know is dead. So there isn't anybody that I could even ask, Hey, I was in my crib. And this thing happened, I think. Do you, does anyone, who was watching me? Was it my babysitter? Was it my uncle? Was it, I don't know. They all don't live anymore. They don't exist. So yeah, everything you're saying, I'm like, yeah. You know, and then all the stuff that's passed down in the umbilical cord, all the people who have been violated in the ancestry and then all that trauma comes right through the umbilical cord right into us and shapes our reality before we even know how to talk. Yeah. So you said a lot and it's amazing that you, you know, you didn't, you had this unlikely career after wanting to be a very, you said a very smart 
girl. <laughs> I just wanted to be a girl. Why didn't it work out? Hello. <laughs> Bad design. <laughs> but it's amazing. And so now you're like a pioneer in this as well. I mean, it's like we're all pioneers in a field that has really never been talked about until the last 20 years or so. And and people are even we're even still afraid. Hmm. So thank oh, you. It's so strong what you share. Thank you so much for sharing this. Wow, it's so strong. Um, yes, there are, you see, I think this orgasmic state or in orgasm, we are somehow reintroduced to our beingness of being interconnected and somehow being one with everything and everybody every living being and that of course goes through time and space so it somehow opens up to the innate wisdom and also the innate heritage in our nervous system and in that way i mean it's then like we are all one sexy time <laughs> unfortunately the same truth is true in the darkest night of your life right. we are all one we are all one what you know is beyond words in terms of bliss and beyond words in terms of hell and not even your individual hell but the collective and the transgenerational hell from the past and it is our anti-fragile capacity in the nervous system to digest and transmute all of that and pass on another sexual world to the next generations. So to some extent, we are not feeling drawn towards the shadow and the trauma because we are traumatized, but because in the core of trauma, we meet the core of being broken and in that the core of being unbreakable. So we never survived anything better in mystic terms when it comes to trauma than the trauma itself. It introduced us to our, reintroduced us to our essence of you can't even touch what is me. And at the same time, the tragic thing that is in our traumatized culture, the norm is dissociating from the body and saying, oh, I'm not my body. Yes, you are your body. Yes, but you be, are. Be, the more you are your body, the more you are at the same time, everything and everybody. So it is really... I, I would love to say, you know, Laurie, I'm just tough and courageous. So I'm just meeting and facing my challenges. I'm not. I'm learning to stand the intensity of bliss and orgasm by training and suffering. I'm trained for intensity in pain, in suffering, in being stuck, in desperation. This is where my containment for intensity comes from. So I think when it comes, for example, to our little bit of pleasure, I need to come, I need to ejaculate. Five minutes of sex is the average. I mean, that's kind of sad, I think. <laughs> If we say this is the happiest thing on earth, why may do we make it to be so short? I mean, there is something, what misfits in this picture? So well, I think it's us not tolerating the intensity and freedom when it comes to pleasure and orgasm. And I think that also comes because we want to train for pleasure in pleasure. It is wise and stupid at the same time.
same time, because the intensity for pleasure needs the containment for being alive no matter what. And when we exclude from life the flashback, the night, the, the being scared, feeling alone, when we say sex has to be about sexiness, then we make it to be a small talk thing. So that is why one thing of my, I could say, foreplay tips would be start with something that is weird, a bit over the top and not at all pleasing your partner, just because then you enter the dance of the two of you with something where you go into your natural glow of freedom instead of your conditioned glow of, oh, I'm a sexy girl and you are a sexy boy, let's have sex. And I think it's really, I, I think, yeah, I, but, but I think especially women, we wait for feeling super safe with daring something new. And if you dare something new, there is no safety. No. There is no safety. And no. yes, your nervous system needs safety for orgasming and needs safety for ecstasy. But this safety is you feeling safe with yourself. I was just going to say to you, safety yeah. is an inside job. Exactly. Like to exactly. Me, I bring the safety. Nobody yes. else. My partner doesn't bring this. My partner would like to believe that he brings the safety. Yes. But I, I bring the safety. It's my And it's thing. wonderful if he supports your safety. Yes. And I think it's way easier yeah. for men to feel safe with them themselves if they are in contact with a female nervous system in this wounded culture that is safe in herself. And that is her job. And the less we approach our partner for making us feel safe, the more we put men into the position that we say we want them in. And that is a natural state of self-confidence because they can relax. They are not too much with their power because I feel safe with myself. And I think so that's such a gift that we can learn. It's an art. Be be safe with yourself first. And the good news is, I mean, it's not that long ago. And we have been a tigress and a tiger. We haven't been humans for a long time, right? We no. have been a tigress and a tiger. And know what? In a jungle, a tigress is the queen of the jungle and the tigers wait and they are happy to wait. It's like sex and happiness. Oh yes, we are waiting for the tigers and the tiger is like, ah, let's see. And that's, she's, she's <laughs> safe with herself. And that yes. is how it is, yes. how it works. So that's so good. Um, it's and so it's so fun. Yeah. Oh, let's yeah. tolerate more fun in our life lightness and i think tolerating lightness in a paradox beautiful way comes from us stop talking around we are wounded and that's okay and we have everything it's need it needs to be orgasmic even though and to keep growing and to be to be so gifted by being by being wounded and human yeah, yes. if we could bring that to the table, I mean, that is for me something really sexy when it comes to sex, really sexy. Because exactly. it's new every time. Well, I think, you know, I, I just, I want to say this to you. I often tell people that they, you know, when somebody is doing self-judgment, mm -hmm. 
I say to them, you know, you're looking at yourself with the wrong eyes. You should try to look at yourself through my eyes. When I see you, I just see this amazing creature. But when you look at you, you have a microscope. So you can microscope down into all the hiding places and see all the wounding and feel not okay. But nobody else sees that. Everybody else sees you, you know, more in totality. The, the eyes that are focusing on self are wrong. <laughs> you know, like they're just too critical. It's like a it's like a skewed microscope, and I feel like other people give each other the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. You know, I think whatever. I, I guess I feel like safe people, people who who ha have safety inside, see each other and they give each other the benefit of the doubt. Maybe not everyone mm -hmm. does, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. So oh, so what should we do? We yeah, we, I mean. We've defined we've defined the problem, and it's been going yeah. on for forever. Mm -hmm. What what should we do? How can we heal collectively? Like more than like I've healed individually, and then I keep uncovering more stuff that still needs to be looked at by me. It needs air anyway. It needs some air. Um, I don't know that I can do anything about that flashback that I saw. I don't even feel to do emotional release about it because I can't even get my arms around it. It's just like a glimpse I saw. But what can we do to heal collectively? Like how could, I mean, I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm spreading, you know, my knowledge to many, many people. But even so, I mean, I see them a few years later and if they don't continue, if it's not a continual thing, Maybe you have some ideas about this. To me, if I'm not practicing emotional release on a continual basis, if I'm not letting go of that which I stored from wherever, I don't have a chance. And no one has a chance with me either. Like I can, if I'm not letting stuff out, it's very hard for me to take anything in. So that's my solution, but you may have some other solutions. I know that if I see people a few years later, if they've done all my classes and then I see them and it's like 10 years later, they're, um, they're like resigned or they're, or they're um, complacent. They, they get in a relationship and then they pretend that none of that other stuff ever happened. And then they like kind of, and I, I go, how can you, how can you just stop doing your practices? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How's your orgasm lately, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, there is a beautiful thing in the two of us talking about that, because from the, just the little bit that the two of us shared, I could kind of framing an answer from from combining our path so what you for example do is something so beautiful putting the individual your own healing first like being egoistic 
is something incredibly healing and contributing because it means in the essence of egoism, it doesn't mean it's only about me. It means I follow my wound. I follow my path of the highest energy. And when I say follow your wound, it sounds like focus at the dark stuff. What I mean is follow your wound and unlearn to collapse and unlearn to suffer. Follow your wound in order to be taught about being infinitely powerful and insanely smart and intelligent since millions of years in your nervous system to digest. And there is a post-traumatic growth that you can't access before you access the field of wounding. And it's a collective feeling. It's not about, yeah. oh, what a pity I haven't been violated. I mean, congratulations. I hope there is no person around that is violent at the same time. It might not be like that. But follow the collective and or individual healing and unlearn to collapse, unlearn to suffer instead start shaking start vibrating start going into emotional release whatever works for you keep on going don't change a winning horse and then after a while this ongoing process it will change because it makes you more alive and alive things tend to change just because they love to be new and new and new just like the rest of sex and life Yes. And the next thing is, then what you mentioned happens naturally, a natural energetic transmission to the world around. Nobody of us radiating in a healing mode can hinder that from happening. Not everybody starts a podcast, but you do. So your individual healing, I mean, boom, Laurie, you are the best Example for I took myself first and that positioned me in being in a position of incredible service to so many people in the course of so many years. So I think that's in itself speaking for itself. But I might not be wired for a podcast. So I am walking as an energetic transmission anyway. To some extent, we are walking teachers for each other anyway. Exactly. We teach each other to keep on suffering. We teach each other to be, uh, to be shitty. Or we teach each other to be incredibly radiant, sexy, and orgasmic just by nature. And what I want to add, add from my story is... There is something where I also promote, I follow my wound, and it's about egoism in the essence meaning of this misunderstood term. It's me first, and that puts me into a position of service. And after something like 10 years after me stopping as a sex worker, I've wrote a book about it, first in German and then in English. And during writing, I remember very clearly a phase where I was like, okay, when this book is published, I will keep on living for two years. And then a man on the street in Berlin will come and will shoot me because what I offer in this book and the position that I say, no, I'm not a sex goddess. I'm not, not wounded. And I'm not a victim. I'm not talking about the sex worker. I'm talking about you, society, because you are creating sex work. Sex work isn't good and it isn't bad. 
It is the most perfect reflection of society and it will keep on existing until you society stop producing it. It's not good. It's not bad. I just love sex work because it's a true mirror for you yourself society. Yes. So yeah. I was like, I refuse every role that is okay for a sex worker. I refuse the victim and I refuse the sex goddess and I refuse the woohoo, this is about hardcore porn. And so I was <laughs> like, I will be shot for that because it's the taboo of being smart and on point and not offering a dialogue before I force people to listen to the prostitute. Not to me, but to the prostitute, yes. the other one, etc. Et the archetype, but you're talking about an archetype. Exactly. And I was like, if you <clears throat> consume me as a kind of concept, no, this is not for you. Go. And, and I was like, I will be shot for that. And I was like, okay, I will be shot for that. I will keep on writing. So I was like going through a very <laughs> weird kind of mindfuck that was very real for me. I will be killed for this kind of cultural taboo breaking. What means I was deeply in a field of transgenerational taboo slash trauma, right? Because otherwise I wouldn't have come up with this crazy mindfuck. I mean, I'm not normally yeah. into hallucinations or something like that. And then... <laughs> There was an overwhelming resonance in the audience around, thank you so much. I never went into a brothel and I deeply, deeply resonate. What you taught me about myself, Ilan, is something that I didn't know. And I start loving me as a man. And I was like, wow. So this is what can we do? We can get a taste of us following our wound and sharing our wound and the insane amount of gratitude and relief that comes as an echo and as a resonance after time from the surrounding because everybody suffers when it comes to sex or any other topic from in order to be okay for the outer world I have to be suppressed in my inner world Everybody in the civilization suffers from that. So if we say, I offer you my bleeding parts of my inner world and it's ugly and it's wounded and it's weak and it's strong, it's too much and it's not enough. This is what I can offer. I can offer you your right to judge me. I do not offer you that I will say you are right because I deeply love myself no matter what. And this is my trembling heart and this are my trembling genitals and this is all I have my trembling vulnerable sacred nudity being naked and if we come to that we somehow come with I am so open I'm so vulnerable you can tear me into pieces and you are not able to harm me in my essence because I have been here first and without you and this is something if we invite people into that we get every react response on earth but the main response is <sighs> it's something like a deep deep <gasps> collective vagus nerve that releases layer after layer of trauma and when i was introduced to this position of my shitty little story i was like who am i healing for me myself anymore 
I'm healing so for myself, which means I'm healing for all of us. And thank you for crying today. And thank you, Laurie, for doing your emotional release because you are doing that as a contribution to my healing path. This is how we are energetically transmitting information of healing through the globe anyway. And the privilege around this very challenging era is we are interconnected in the most real way. I mean, we are interconnected via Zoom. The whole world is happening on Zoom. Yes. So how visible can it become? We are here for being sharing contributions and sharing and doing the first step first. It's not something that is a safe game. It's ne it needs you being somehow introduced to your own courage and your own woundedness first. So, for example, it was so beautiful when you said, um, oh, sweetie, you should see yourself with my eyes. It's okay. You are going with microscope. And I was immediately going into some kind of, let's say, experiment because I'm like a lot into experiments. Like I imagined myself immediately sitting, sitting here completely naked and like completely not into, ah, oh, and she sees that I'm beautiful, but ah, oh, she sees whatever she sees. It's her. And I'm yes. sitting here no matter what. She might say, oh my God, you are a goddess. And she might say, oh, you are disgusting. No matter what she's saying, everything is another opinion. And opinions are not happy and opinions are not sexy. They are just opinions. Exactly. So it's like we are talking in words about things that are somehow happening underneath of words and beyond of words. And at the same time, if we know that about the nature of words, then even language can become this erotic dance and become this kind of seduction for the sexiness of truth and the, the 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 essence of sex and the essence of happiness and and Beautiful. yeah so I, I i love being introduced to myself love by seeing myself through your loving eyes and i feel your generosity and it warms my heart and i'm loved to be introduced to myself love by you judging me and me deeply letting that in and feeling She's judging me. Oh, that's everything that's happening. Oh, my knee is still there. My vagina is still there. My eyes still there. Oh, okay. Not deadly. Okay. Keep on judging me. I mean, I'm still happy and I'm still sexy. You know, that is, that's also, I mean, if this kind of mirror work of, oh my God, Elan, you are so sexy. If it doesn't work, I try it the other way around. I'm a lot into, let's try it the light way of compliments, compliments, compliments. If it doesn't work, let's go the rough way because I'm a hard case. I'm like, go the shadow it's like okay Elan you are the most ugly unsexy woman on earth and there is nobody less orgasmic than you okay I think Elan here is one thing you will die with that so choose happiness is your responsibility if you want to be happy you have to be happy just being as broken as you are because otherwise you are not happy it's your choice life is okay with both options exactly. just choose it's up to you and then I'm like I hate being self-responsible when it comes to sex and happiness and then I'm like okay ladies and gentlemen I thought about it from today I'm sexy and happy because 
because it makes me sexy and happy. That's why. <laughs> no that's matter what. Exactly so, right. Yeah, that's, exactly right. It's my kind of desperation plan B. And it always works. Just always works. You just have to keep going when it gets really stuck. And then it's like after a while, woohoo, let's have a shadow party. <laughs> so good. I love it. Really well said, well thought out. Beautiful. All right, let's go to, because um, we're kind of coming on time now. When, uh, how can people get in touch with you? Where can they find, you know, your book? Where can they find your writings? How can they find you? Because I found you, or you found me, at the Embodiment Festival. But that's not for another, that won't start again until another amount of time. So where can people just you know, find you, get your stream of consciousness. I mean, it's super easy at the moment about my website, elanstefani.com. And at the moment, I love sharing in the internet, social media, Facebook and YouTube as well. I think the easiest thing also for the book is, again, my website, elanstefani.com. And as a little warning around social media, I'm also publishing a lot of my stuff still in German. So I think the most condensed kind of this is introducing you to my work, to a free mm -hmm. training around love and rage, to all of this context around mysticism, sex, etc., collective trauma healing. It's still about my website. Yes. All right. That's, that's good. The easiest way. And you and I, commun we communicate some on how I found you actually was on Instagram. And so oh that, wow yes yeah. i'm on instagram as well Woo. yeah so that was I love it. yeah, yeah. And that was great i really thank you I, I you know it's um it's just rare to me that i that i feel i actually feel a mirror when you're talking you know and so <laughs> yeah it's rare for me to find such a mirror and like i just i'm so grateful And so happy that uh, that I found you, you know, and that you found me. And I love knowing what you what you're saying. I love listening to what you're saying about all this. And um, somehow, I'm just going to say this: somehow, as you speak, you remove the fear about going into places that people are often reluctant to go. It's like somehow in your speaking, you make it feel so like slipping into a bathtub. Oh, I'm going to look at the dark today and all the anxiety that I had and all the whatever. So I really thank you for that because it's like you normalize a lot of stuff that people's head gets spinning in and then they get stuck. And you just went, no, I just, we witnessed your process and You made it easy. You made it easy for people to look and to come out with a big gift. Once they go into the depths, they'll find the bliss. <laughs> they'll find the I orgasm. They'll containing, find containing the unsexy stuff is the foreplay for you learning to tolerate how incredibly powerful, blissful, orgasmic, 
and limitless you are. So it's like we are always trained in terms of intensity of energy and we are somehow trained in the dark fields, but only as a foreplay for the intensity of light. So like love and light is no blah, blah. That's really something that hits us with full force and it needs preparation because we come from 4,000 years or something like that of energetic collective depression and it needs time to re-tolerate our essence but at the same time there is nothing else in us that is craving more for change than this this layer of cultural uh, heritage and we are going there because we know that we can handle that and one more thing or message maybe is what we feel the most alone with and the most alienated with is what makes us be connected to everybody around or let's say this is what we share with just everybody the deep feeling of oh it's only me it's just about me this is only me it's only true for me i'm the only one struggling with this there is no more common thing than exactly this so what a bomb in your hand what a gold chamber in your hand just by having your secret It's like you and me talking about that, having secrets, everybody listening to this, having secrets. All of us are walking gold chambers. We are walking gold chambers and we can't start sharing gold. We will start sharing wounding, bleeding shadow. And this is the gold, but the gold has the dignity of, I will unpack myself in time because it's about me. And it's like the essence of egoism is selflessness, selflessness, selflessness. Me first means let me be of service. May all beings be Mm -hmm. happy. So in that way, I think also your sex magic, orgasmic magic, it's so true. And it is a script that gives words to the thing beyond the words, which happens anyway. Let me be of service. Let me be of service. So good. Well, thank you so much for this rich, Mm. really rich, beautiful conversation. Mm. Thank you for, thank you for being, thank you for being. Thank you, Laurie. I I deeply, deeply want to say thank you to you, to your healing journey, to this podcast and something on a collective level. I mean, I am in a such a privileged position as a woman having so many women in my background that we nowadays inherited as well. Women after women after women, generation, generation of women standing up for sexual freedom, feminine bliss and deep trauma healing. And I think this is just something that I want to celebrate because it's so rich in the field that you create. And I think also in your biography and it's something that i want to celebrate we inherit bliss after bliss every orgasm that we have every happiness that we have every laughter that we have is something that will be passed on as well so it matters so good being happy and being sexy matters it's a political thing that's right <laughs> that is all right my dear thank you so much ah, for being my guest you. on sex and happiness today everybody else Please tune in next time while I will have another amazing guest. You know that I have amazing guests. Next week will not be any 
different. It'll be also amazing, something for you to sit up, wake up, stand up for. So this is Laurie Handler saying bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Sex and Happiness. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.